Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for being here and tuning in to the Cycle Podcast. On today's show, we chat with Candice. This is part two of one. So if you're landing on this and you haven't listened to part one, please go back to the last episode and listen to the previous episode, which is episode number 88 with Candice. And this is part two of Candice's story. Thank you again for being here. So my husband comes home from Walgreens and he has, you know, a large bottle of ibuprofen, gives me like this largest bottle I've ever had about Advil. And he's like, I got you something else. I got you this device that, um, you know, will kind of shock it and help with your pain, even if you're not able to take any medication. And he's kind of talking to me through the shower door. And I'll be honest, I'm on my hands and knees and he's, and then he's like, he's talking, he's just talking away. And then he's like, are you okay? And I, I'm pretty sure I probably said, Mm-mm. but he probably heard. Mm-hmm. And he was like, are you, are you praying? You're, you're praying. Okay. I'll let you pray. So he, he walked right back out of the bathroom and I am, I'm on my hands and knees and I am praying. <laughs> um, so I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. Um, and I'm, I mean, I am praying and I'm just waiting for this episode of pain to at least slow down enough for me to just finish rinsing myself off and manage to get out the shower. And the first thing I think to do is I thought like, should I go, Like, what should I do? Should I go to the ER? What should I do? And so I said, I, I should call my cousin. My cousin, Tiffany, she had um, a hysterectomy um, for adenomyosis and um, endometriosis. And so she's been one of the people I've kind of talked to about my symptoms. And I was just like, let me talk to someone else. So I thank my husband. Thank you so much for giving me this medication. Thank you for this. I'll try it because right now I can't take anything anyway. And I'm, you know, holding on to the bathroom vanity just to keep myself standing. And so I called my, my cousin Tiffany and I know she's about to start work soon. And I'm like, Tiffany, I am going through something and I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should go to the ER. I don't know what I should do. And she's like, what's going on? And so I tell her about throwing up all night and, you know, I'm weak, I'm dizzy. I feel like I'm going to faint. I'm in so much pain. And she's like, and so I said, have you ever had these kind of digestive symptoms where you vomiting? And she was like, no, I only had the heavy bleeding and the, and the pain, abdominal pain. I didn't have anything like that. She was like, she was like, you haven't talked to your OB about this. I was like, yes, but you know, she put me on this monthly pill. She's like, you need to talk to an OB surgeon. And so let me say this, my cousin, Tiffany, she is a VIP scheduler for one of the largest, um, highest ranked hospitals in the world. And so she was like, you need to schedule with an OB surgeon. You need to stop going to an OB, go to an OB surgeon. And so she's like, we're literally on the phone and I'm hunched over, you know, talking to her on speakerphone. And she's like, what's your medical system? And I said, um, I'm in tri-health. So then she's like, oh, um, let me look up who's there. And so she's looking, she's looking for surgeons that specialize in this. And she was like, okay, I found this doctor. 
you need to call this number. She's like, take this down, call this doctor, get scheduled for a surgical consult. That's what you need to ask for. I'm like, okay, okay. And so at this point, you know, I gave up on trying to get to work. I was like, I, I just, I can't do it. I, I literally can't even sit at a Thank desk. you for I saying can't... that. I was like, <laughs> no, I was like, please tell me you called in sick, please. I mean, I, I just, I, but you know, like, this is the other thing that I think people don't understand about calling in sick. Like, if, like, I don't know about anyone else, but if you've ever been so sick that it is difficult for you to even pick up the phone and log in yes. and get on teams or anything and type, like, I'm like, I need someone else to communicate for me. Like when you are so sick, you can't function. Yeah. I mean, I'm taking every little bit of yeah. strength I have to just call my cousin. So I, it took me a while. And, I, and then I was like, okay, yeah. at this point, I can't take any pain medication. I haven't figured out how I can function yet for the day. And I have, meet, you know, I'm, I lead a lot of the calls and meetings that I have. So if I'm not in work, like all these meetings need to cancel, it's going to impact all these other people's schedules. So, but I'm like, I got to figure this out. So I, Message my boss, tell him I, I can't come in today. I'm not feeling well. Um, and I kind of say I might have a stomach bug. I'm not trying to tell anyone what I have going on yet. Because um, I still feel relatively new. Um, and so I'm so glad I took that day. And actually, the little device that my husband gave me, it did. It helped me get through the day. It, I will say it doesn't take away the pain, the little electrical vibrations. I don't even know what it's called. But it distracts you. It's a tens. I think it's a tens machine. Yeah, it's like a tens machine. They're like yeah. little patches pa- that you stick patches on. Patches that you stick yeah. on exactly. And I mean, I got this thing up to seven or eight. I, I got it like shock me, shock me to distract me from what I'm going yeah. through. And then I'm, you know, I am desperately yeah. messaging through my chart to my OB. Like, should I start the pill again? Like, what should I do? I'm, I'm maxing out on ibuprofen. Is there anything I can do? And she's not responding to me. And then her, I'm calling her nurses like, hey, you know, she's not big on responding to messages. She, you know, may get back to you. It probably took her days to get back to me. And I was afraid to start the pill again. And I don't know why, but I was afraid to start the pill again. So I just endured this for the rest of the week. The rest of the weekend, I still had pain. And then I started my pill again. And slowly, you know, things kind of come back to normal. Um, and I'm like, okay. But I that day, while I was off, I scheduled a surgical consult for June. I mean, wait, this was July. So for August. So in early August, I had my surgical consult with my OB surgeon. And my husband came with me. And that's kind of my other kind of big thing I want to really advocate for is having an advocate. I am so glad I had my husband with me through this whole ordeal and that he came with me even to my OB appointment because I felt like I wanted to make sure the severity of what I was experiencing was believed because I think that I was being, you know, I was being suggested less aggressive treatments because it was sort of like, oh, you know, you have endo, you manage it with ibuprofen and hormones and lots of women go through it, deal kind of a thing. And I needed him to know this is debilitating. I was like, if I didn't work from home, I would be fired. 
I would not be able to work. I would not be able to get dressed every day of work and drive into work or, you know, walk from the parking garage. There's no way I could do those things. Um, so I need you to understand the seriousness of my situation and having my husband kind of next to me to echo or him to even say, no, it's worse than what she described. It's, it's, it's like he would chime in and say, nope, it's she actually it's longer than that. <laughs> or, um, you know, she's up all night or her heart rate is this, you know, he's backing me up. And so then I also had a pelvic exam in that um, initial sur- sur- uh, surgical consult. And I talked with a resident. So it was a resident and then the OB surgeon. The OB surgeon did a pelvic exam. And I don't know about anyone else, but this pelvic exam was different for me. Um, I don't think I've ever had a pelvic exam like it before because he kind of, I told him, because I was like, I'm not having an episode right now. So you're probably not going to find any pain. But I don't want you to not believe me because you don't find pain, right? So I'm I'm already trying to like overcome any doubt he may have. And he's like, no, 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 I I can do this. Give me a chance. So he does my pelvic exam and he moves around like left and right, up and down. And he's like, okay, do you feel any pain here? Do you feel any pain here? And when he's pushing on my cervix toward my uterus, I mean, it's making me jump. I'm jumping back on the exam table. And he's like, okay, okay, you can, you can come down now. You can get dressed. And so he basically told me, you probably need to have a hysterectomy. He was like, from my exam, your pain is coming from toward your uterus. He was like, I don't know if you have endo, but I know that you have something going on with your uterus. And he was like, I think you should go ahead and be scheduled for a hysterectomy. And we talked through all the options. You know, he asked me if I planned to have children. I told him I didn't. And he said that you have a much better chance of everything being effective if you have a hysterectomy. So the surgical plan we came up with was, um, I think they call it a total hysterectomy, right? Because it's your cervix, your uterus, my fallopian tubes, but leaving behind my ovaries. Um, And so I'm like, okay, you know, at this point I'm desperate And I'm like, I can't live this way anymore. So I know that there's lots of different schools of thought, right, about, um, you know, whether to have surgery, whether to try more natural things, adjusting your diet. And I don't know what other folks are going through. But for me, at that point, I was in a point of desperation. And it was time to do something new and different. Um, And that's... And that's a, that's a very personal decision mm-hmm. that you can make. And just for listeners and, you know, if this is your first time listening or hearing, you know, hysterectomy does not cure endometriosis. Exactly. You can still have the disease if you have a hysterectomy. Um, it does help though, if you have adenomyosis. So exactly, exactly. I just want to, I always just like to put that disclaimer in. Um, okay, Candace. So then what happened after that chat? you, you scheduled mm-hmm. surgery. Yeah. So we scheduled surgery and I didn't, I thought, cause he would get back with me on the day after the consultation, he wanted to review everything. And I remember asking, Hey, do you need to do any more imagery? Cause I hadn't had an ultrasound in a year from my prior um, ultrasound. And because at that time, I think we looked, my OB had looked to see like if I had a chocolate cyst or any other signs of endo and all of my imagery was coming up clean with, like it always has. Um, so 
he said, no, I don't need any more imagery. I have enough information. Um, we'll get you scheduled. Someone will call you. And I didn't expect that they would call me back so soon, but I was scheduled for September 13th. And I was like, wow, I was in, like, he was telling me October, maybe even November. So I was like, oh, like that's early. <laughs> okay. Um, and, you know, and, and I want to know, like, if it was hysterectomy plus excision. Um, he was like, if we find endo, we're going to excise it out. And I, and I made sure I asked him, because at this point, I've been on a lot of different websites. And I'm like, so are you going to do ablation or are you going to do excision? And he was like, no, we're going to cut it out. So I'm like, okay, you're passing my test, sir. Because <laughs> um, right, for me, that right, was important. To at least know, okay, and yes. he had prior experience. Like, you know, I had I started looking at him online and the testimonials of some other videos of patients who had endometriosis that he had treated. So I was like, okay, I think I found the right guy. Um, so I have, um, you know, I'm still having all these symptoms. And my OB had told me to go to a gastroenterologist, but she hadn't given me a referral. So eventually I just looked myself and I called the gastroenterologist and I told them, hey, I'm scheduled for surgery. And, you know, my doctors want me to kind of rule out if I have anything else before they're going in for surgery. And so he, I remember like I met him on a Tuesday, had my initial appointment and he scheduled me for a, a colonoscopy and endoscopy like that Thursday in order to get all the labs done. Because this was like, I think September 6th, I had my colonoscopy before the surgery. So he wanted to get all the labs in to make sure that something else hadn't invaded my, like it hadn't invaded my bowel. Or I didn't have colitis or something else. Of course, like he told me, it's a very low percentage of women who have endo that will have anything show up um, in the colonoscopy endoscopy. Um, and so he said, but I want to do this so that your doctors know to, to kind of what the situation is and that probably your digestive systems are the endo. So that's the one thing I will say the gastroenterologist, he totally believed me like, cause I was losing weight at this point. I'm not eating as much because I get sick and throw up. So okay. I'm telling him about my weight loss and everything. And he's, he's like, that sounds like that can be part of endo. Those things can be related to endo. All the other doctors are like, no, that's probably some other GI issue like IBS or something. Right. And that's so he's, great. Yeah. That's great that he said that. That's that's great. Yeah. So I was really surprised about that. And so he was like, I just want them to have this information so they know that really they need to be looking for what could be, you know, what your endo could be affecting in your whole abdomen that could be causing this. So get all that done. Um, have surgery September 13th, you know, and I'm so excited to finally like have hope that this can get better. And in surgery, um, they identified that I had stage four deep infiltrating um, endometriosis. So it's as bad as it can get. And my husband told me the doctor came out and said, you know, cause my surgery was supposed to only be like two to three hours and it was over five hours. Um, and part of why it was delayed was they decided to do um, an emergency appendectomy. Um, I had adhesions and implants on my appendix. And so 
looking back, you know, no doctors really said this to me, but now my purge, it comes back to me and make me realize I may have been having like cyclical episodes of appendicitis over and over again. That's kind because of, when I looked up appendicitis, yes. I was like, well, that's what yes. I, that's what I've been the doing sweating. every month. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's yeah. what oh my god. So I think my appendix was yes. getting inflamed every month. And so he wanted to cut it out. So he had to call in a general surgeon. But at that time, like he had done all the excision um, and the hysterectomy. And then they did the appendectomy with the general surgeon. Um, they also consulted to see if I needed a bowel resection. Now, part of my surgical plan, my husband and I decided not to do a bowel resection because of the risk of infection if I had it on my bowel. And my surgeon said it's very rare that women do. And if they do, it's only a few implants. Um, well, I did, and it was deep infiltrating, so they could not, they could not remove it without a bowel resection. So I still have endo on my bowel. <clears throat> um, but they did the appendectomy and then I came home, I was home for a week. And this is the one thing I will say to women, any woman who's getting a hysterectomy or having surgery, um, the protocol I was told before my surgery, I was told what medications I would be on mostly pain medication. And I was told, you know, we'll want you to urinate before you go home. I did not urinate. They sent me home. I mean, if I don't know what, it, when I woke up, I was just so excited that I survived surgery and I was in pain, but they asked me what kind of pain I was in. And I was like, well, if this is an endo day. This is a great endo day. I remember telling the nurse that I was right. so happy. I was excited. I was over the moon. And she was like, oh, you don't have to, you know, and I guess my surgery took so long. I think they were like, we need to get you out of here. So I hadn't urinated and she was like, that's okay. And so I went home. I eventually did probably that night at like 1 a.m. Um, but then I, I had trouble having a bowel movement. It probably took me four days. I had to take a laxative before I had a bowel movement. And it was painful, similar to how they have been. Um, but, you know, probably because of surgery and all the swelling. And so I'm like, everyone's, you know, I have so many friends, people checking in on me and then and, you know, I have family, other family who've had hysterectomies and they're calling me like, you know, are you getting, are you getting better? You should be getting better every day, a little better every day. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm feeling, feeling okay. I really was not feeling better every day at all. <laughs> I was feeling the same or I was still in pain. And my, my abdomen was so swollen um, but I just thought, you know, this is surgical, surgical recovery. Um, it was a week after a week and I really was not feeling better and it was hard to eat, hard to use the bathroom. Um, but I didn't really have a fever. Um, but keep in mind, I'm taking Tylenol, which is bringing my fever down. So I'm not really sure like what's going on. And I'm, you know, calling, messaging the doctor. At first they thought, oh, maybe you could have a UTI. But then the doctor said, um, you know, we would typically have you come in and you would take an antibiotic. Well, I was taking an antibiotic. So that is the one 
um, drug that I was given that was not originally in my plan. And no one explained to me why I was given an antibiotic. Um, I later learned I was given an antibiotic as a precaution because something did happen in my surgery. During the appendectomy, they think that my surgical field was contaminated. They washed it out with saline solution and they sent me home with the antibiotic. Um, thinking that that would resolve the issue or, you know, um, that that's all that was necessary. Well, Tuesday, after talking to the doctors, not really being able to get a quick appointment with my OB surgeon and actually my my mom's cousin, um, my second cousin, my mom's first cousin, she sat on the phone with me with the nurse, basically begging them to see me as soon as possible. She's like, something's not right. Her pain Pain is an indicator of something wrong. She's still in too much pain this far after her surgery. She needs to be seen. And she and I don't want her to go to an ER. She should see the doctor that knows her medical history. Well, they were like, the earliest we can get her in is Friday. It was Tuesday. So after the call, my cousin was like, Candace, I don't like how that call went. You need to go ahead and go into the ER. You need to get yourself together because at this point I'm like now you're getting dressed. She's like, get yourself dressed, get your pack a bag, and as soon as your husband gets off work, you all need to go straight to the ER. So that Tuesday, a week after my surgery, that evening we went into the ER. Had to wait a while, of course. Um, and I tell you, this is where I say one of my other big lessons is relying on God because man, He will see you through. I mean, whatever you believe in have something because he was looking out um, because my pain was bad. I mean, like even just riding to the, I had fluid in my belly. So just riding to in the car, it was moving around. And it was so like every bump, every little thing was like, oh, you know, and then we get there. And um, once they finally called me back at 7 PM. So it was probably after about two and a half hours of waiting it was 7 p.m. They called me back. And as soon as I really got to a gurney, oh, my my pain got more intense. Like it was even, I mean, I was in pain, but now I was in like endo pain. I was like in a ball on the gurney, like bracing myself. And so the ER doctor, um, they wanted to take me for a CT right away. They took me for a CT and my CT showed, and it was pretty quick. It's pretty fast. Um that my bowels were inflamed and I had a lot of fluid in my abdomen. So that was a sign of infection. And then they took my white blood cell count from my, from my um, blood work. And he was like, your white blood cell count is like 19. It's through the roof. And I mean, and this OB, I mean, this uh, ER doctor, he had me scared because he was like, it's through the roof. Like this, that's this is bad news. Not good. Not good. Like he's freaking me and my husband out. Um, I felt like, I wanted to be like, are you okay? Like, it's got to be okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> do you need to take, take a couple you know? deep breaths? It's okay. <laughs> and tell me what we need to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and they did this triage pretty quick. Like probably by 7.30, I had all this information, right? So within 15, 30 minutes, I had the CT, had the blood work. And they're like, okay, we're going to set you up with an IV, get you some pain medication and get someone down from OB who's on call to come down and look at you. So I got, um, you know, I remember they gave me morphine and this was my first clue that I must be in really bad pain because they gave me morphine and it literally felt like someone lit a 
fire in my abdomen. It made it worse. It made it more intense. Worse. Like it was a burn. It, it just, like I was already having that sharp, crampy, stabby feeling. And then it was, let's light it on fire and burn it. And so I was like, please stop. Don't give me any more. I mean, I can barely talk anymore, but I'm like, please don't give me any more morphine. I'm telling my husband, tell him, don't give me morphine. Don't give me any more. I will just deal with what I've got because this is making it worse. So that was my clue that if morphine, which I've never had, I've never been in the hospital overnight until this incident. Um, I, I was like, I must be in really bad pain because morphine isn't doing a thing for me. And I, I would rather go without it. So eventually they gave me Dulotid which um, it runs out. And for me, within 30, 45 minutes, it's gone. And so again, my mom's cousin, my second cousin got, was on the phone with my husband, giving him advice. And really it was her pain because she had been a pain management nurse. It was her regimen that got me through the night. The, the ER doctor and the nurses listened to her and she said, inter, you know, give her intervals between Dulotid and this other drug. It was, it was a NSAID, but a different, started with a T. And they were doing that. And that's what really got me through the night. Yes. Yes. That. (laughs) Um, That's what got me through the night. And um, I mean, and I was in the ER. I really didn't get a hospital room for almost three days. So I was I was in the actual ER floor for until the next day to like 2 p.m. And so and and at this point, I am going to the bathroom every 15 to 30 minutes either urinating or number two, every 15 to 30, I'm going to the bathroom constantly. Um, and it's it's painful for me to sit up. It's painful for me to walk. It's obviously painful for me to go to the bathroom every time. And I'm constantly having to go. Um, so of course, I'm not getting sleep. Um, my husband, <laughs> the room that we were in that night, it was so filthy, to be honest. Like there was just garbage on the floor and stuff. He wouldn't even sit in the chair. So he literally, my husband, I was like, I think because I was trying to get his attention to take me to the bathroom, which is a public bathroom, right? In the ER. I don't have a room. Um, and he's standing asleep. <laughs> he's asleep while standing up. And I'm like, Isaac, Isaac, I need help. But he helps me. And every time, I mean, this is why I say, oh, I love my husband so much. Like, Every time I'm going to the bathroom, he's wiping the toilet down. I mean, this is a public restroom, so I can go every 30 minutes, 15 to 30 minutes. And this is all night long. Finally get triage up to another floor where I'm actually, because at this point, I'm on a gurney all night long. I didn't get a hospital bed to yeah. the next day. So then I'm on a hospital bed the next day, but I'm on a different floor, um, but I still don't have a bathroom. You know, um, I didn't get a bathroom until early Saturday morning. So this was Tuesday. It took me until Saturday to get into a room with a bathroom, with my own private bathroom. I just had a commode and a sink. Um, And so, whoo, that ordeal was a lot. I I mean, I don't even know. This could take us a whole other hour to get through my hospital visit. But long story short, I was septic. The doctors didn't tell me I was septic until probably Thursday or Friday. Um, They made it clear they weren't sure I was going to make it. Um, That they needed to isolate what the infection was, um, what type of bacteria they were dealing with. And um, 
the general surgeon who did my appendectomy and my OB surgeon were pushing me to move forward with oral antibiotics, right? At this point, I'm on broad spectrum on like four different antibiotics to fight the infection while they don't know what exactly it is. Um, and I remember by that Wednesday or Thursday, and I was on bowel rest. So what that was, I wasn't even allowed to have water. I could ask for egg, uh, for ice chips, but for three days, so from Tuesday, I probably hadn't ate since 11 a.m. Tuesday, and I got my first meal, I think either, I feel like that was Friday, like Thursday night or Friday before I was allowed to eat um, a, a GI soft diet. Um, right. So, I mean, you're, I'm weak. I'm, you know, I can barely, I remember just not being able to even like lift my head. My head felt like yeah. There was a ton of bricks um, when I was in uh, at that time. And then I remember starting to feel a sharp pain, a new pain on my right side. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. This might make me sound stupid, but I didn't know where my appendix was. I had no idea. I didn't know where they took it from. I was like, I don't know whether when they say left, do they mean my right? I don't know. I just knew... <laughs> I was feeling a distinct sharp pain on my right side um, by that Thursday. And I asked my OB surgeon and um, and uh, general surgeon, can I have a, can we do some imagery, another CT to figure out what, what's going on here? You know, I don't, you're talking about getting me on oral meds and getting me out of here. And I'm, I don't feel comfortable leaving without knowing what this is. This is new. And this is probably one of my worst experiences with the medical community. And I, I, I say this with so much love because I do really thank my, my surgeon. I think he definitely improved my quality of life with the work that he did. But frankly, these two doctors ganged up on me and my husband. For 30 minutes, they basically told me I don't need an expensive $1,000 CT um, that their experience, I remember the general surgeon telling me I have 33 years experience in looking at you. I can look at you and tell you that you look better, feel better. Um, we, we know what's wrong. We treated it. You just need to get on oral antibiotics and go home. <laughs> I mean, I was really, and he literally told me this was probably the most offensive thing he said. He said, you see that hallway out there? You know what you need to be doing? You need to be walking out there. You need to be walking and getting your circulation. You need to earn it. You know what I mean? Verbatim. That's what he told me. You need to earn it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And mind you, I had been walking. I told, they told me to walk from the time, from the time I got up onto the next floor out of the ER, I did. I was walking at least once or twice a day up and down the hall, holding my IV thing because they said, get mm -hmm. your circulation. It will help with healing. And so I was, I was doing everything they told me to do. And it was almost like it was mm -hmm. being put back on me. Like you need to be a good patient. <laughs> and they said, no, they said, no, you can't. They left and they said, no, you can't have this, this, um, any CT or anything else. So my husband and I, we knew that my infectious disease doctor would be coming for rounds and that internal medicine, because I guess because of this infection coming from my surgery, they had like this third party team also monitoring my case. So we knew infectious disease, I mean, infectious disease and internal medicine would be coming. So we expressed the same concern and they said, oh yeah, that's concerning. I'll talk to them about that. And internal medicine was like, yeah, we, we have to, 
he was like, and I remember he was even describing, he was like, it's possible that this soon in your infection, the body is walling it off and your infection is, is creating an abscess. He was like, that's possible. It usually doesn't happen this quickly, but he described exactly what ended up happening. Um, and so what happened is that infectious, um, no, the internal medicine doctor, he went above my attending physician, my OB surgeon, and he ordered the CT. Because you, you can see in your medical records who ordered it. And all of the orders should be coming through my attending physician, my OB surgeon. This particular test was ordered by internal medicine. And that Friday, they took me down. And I had to, you have to drink this con this terrible smoothie stuff. It's awful. Um, yeah. I, I had like nine CTs. So, and every time I had to do this, I have a loathing for that stuff. But I, yes. that was like one of the first things I could actually put in my body. <laughs> and it makes you have diarrhea. <laughs> So yes. it was like, okay, I have to do this. So I drank the smoothie and they take me down for the test. And sure enough, they find I have an intra-abdominal abscess that has formed right where my appendix was removed. Um, wow. After my general surgeon had just gaslighted me and told me, oh, that's what patients do. They point toward their appendix because they think that's where the problem is. I, I said, sir, I don't even know where my appendix is. I just know this is where my pain is. Sir. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, it was so bizarre. Like the way he was talking to me, I mean, it was bizarre. So that's how I ended up in the hospital longer. So I was in the hospital for a total of 11 days. I had um, a drain, a JP drain installed in my abdomen um, that was CT guided and one more big tip for anyone who gets one of these. If you have a drain, you have surgery. It hurts to get a JP drain removed. Any drain, if you have breast cancer and they put drains at wherever it hurts, it's going to hurt. But know how a drain should be properly removed. My drain was not properly removed. Um, I had a pigtail JP drain. So that means the inside of the two curly cues, it has a wire that curly cues it inside so that it's spanning more space where the abscess is and it has holes. So it's supposed to be sucking in that fluid. Well, a resident um, was asked to remove my drain and he did not cut the tube. So if you cut the tube all the way in half, it will release the wire and it will make it straight. He didn't do that. So I'm gonna. I'm not gonna do it. Okay. So when he uh, attempted to remove my drain, first clue should have been that he didn't know what he was doing because he started to pull off the bandage and start to pull. Well, a drain is stitched to your skin. The drain is held to hold it in place so it won't just slide out of your body, right? So he just started pulling. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa! I have a stitch. So he was like, oh, okay. Let me go get surgical scissors. Okay, so that's my next tip. If something doesn't feel right, it isn't probably not right and stop. And you have a right to ask that you don't have um, residents or anyone who's teaching, you know, who's being taught on your case or performing any procedures on you. Um, you have a right to ask for that in your patient, right? So, you know, there's pros and cons to that, but I want to at least say that I wish I had said, hey, I think that you should get, you know, an attending physician for this. 
Um, but he came in, he cut the, he cut the stitch. He's, you know, started to pull it. And then I said, well, you know, is this going to hurt? What should I do? He was like, just hold your breath. And he was like, it'll probably feel more weird than anything. That was the word he used, weird. And he started to pull the drain. And this, as a, as a person who has dealt with endo for 14 years, this is the worst pain I have ever experienced in my entire life. It was like he pulled my intestines out of my body with no pain medication whatsoever. He literally yanked it and it was long, you know, the tube is long and it's curly cues. So it takes a while. It was probably a good 15, 20 seconds before it was completely out of my body. And there was nothing I could do but scream. I mean, I screamed. And at this point I was on the oncology floor. I feel so terrible for the other patients that were there, but I screamed. And then when I could finally get my hands over my mouth, I mean, I sat there trembling with my hands over my mouth for probably the next 15 minutes. I could not speak. I, I just, it hurt so bad. And um, the drain was, he, he left it in the sink. And that's how I, how my husband and I now know, and we did talk to the attending physician, confirmed that it was improperly removed because it was fully intact and it still was curly and it had my flesh attached to that drain. And all that curly cue, you could see my flesh and blood attached and probably that did not help my situation because my abscess no. just moved and it and and that continued a basically a three-month battle i mean i went home um with um i had the drain removed because no more fluid was really coming out but i still had now multiple abscesses now i had an abscess by the time i left i had an abscess where my uterus used to be and I still, and the abscess that they had, the drain in had recollected. And in that state, that's how I went home. But I felt comfortable going home for this reason. Um, I contacted another OB surgeon, um, an African-American female doctor who um, she, I mean, I just messaged her on Facebook. Like another doctor friend was like, why don't you reach out to this person? She has endo and she's a OB surgeon. And so I reached out to her on Facebook, left her a message, and she literally responded to me and said, I can call you back at like 11 a.m. So in a few hours, I was on a call with her and my husband, and she was like, you know, you don't want to stay in the hospital too long. You, you might really get um, some other hospital for an infection. Um, you know, you might get C. diff. A lot of patients actually have better outcomes at home. You're probably going to be more comfortable moving and supporting your circulation at home. Um, and she said, you know, with my patients that may have a drain after surgery um, or have any kind of abscess, if this has happened, you know, she was like, it's going to be a long road, but, you know, it can be monitored and you can go home. So that made me feel comfortable. My husband and I feeling comfortable to go home. And at this point, we had had so many issues. I mean, I was on my fifth hospital room. I'm not going to go into all of the bad things about my hospital experience. And we actually did talk with patient relations. We knew it was, you know, toward the end. Um, but we felt like we needed to let them know, like a lot of things have gone wrong here. Um, and literally the patient relations contact came to interview me. She left, she excused herself because she started to cry and she left my room. Um, she's like, I, I can't, I'm sorry. I, this is unprofessional of me. And she left. Um, 
So that gives you an idea. I mean, I had a number of things go, but I'm just mentioning the, the most significant. So I went home and yeah, it took me another, I think I was on IV antibiotics and then IV antifungals later for a total of 87 days um, before my abscess eventually went away. Um, I had, like I said, eight CTs um, over this course to monitor my um, abscess. And I I mean, I I don't know how, I'm really shortening a lot here, but um, this is why I say I'm just, I'm so blessed. I'm so thankful to God because, um, you know, I had my surgery September 13th, December. It took December 13th. I was scheduled to get my third drain placed because my abscess had not gone away. And at this point it was 11 centimeters and it was like the size of a grapefruit from my last CT. So I was scheduled to get a third one. And I was also scheduled to, uh, I had all this medication that had been delivered to my home for more antibiotics, more antifungals to take them simultaneously to fight this infection in my body. And, um, December 13th, they put me through the scanner, you know, to get the initial images before they um, started the procedure. And they kept putting me through. They put me through like four times. And I kept going back like, oh, God, what's what's wrong now? Because every CT I had, it just, it was worse and worse. Like I never had good news every time I was going in. So, and eventually the radiologist, she comes out and she's like, we're canceling your procedure. She was like, it's gone. She was like, there's nothing left but two little one inch abscesses near your ovaries. That's it. She was like, and those will probably just be able to go away on their own and can continue to be monitored every six months. So, I mean, it was literally like a miracle. I mean, from all of my Googling, obviously I had this intra-abdominal abscess and I had a, a fungal and a bacterial infection and these were deadly. These are potentially deadly. I mean, like I had a, Depending on which websites you go to, I had a 25 to a 60% chance of dying. Um, But, you know, I'm just so thankful for the miracle because they say, you know, if you have an abscess that's seven centimeters or larger, typically the recommendation is to get it drained and to have, you know, antibiotics or antifungals, which are typically IV meds for such a serious infection. Um... And I didn't, I, I had an 11 centimeter abscess that went away on its own without a third drain. That's nothing short of a miracle. And I just have to be a testimony and a witness to God that he saved my life um, and knew that I was at my wits end. Um, I was just at a point where I just, you know, it was like, it's going to be what it's going to be. I don't have any more control over this. And I, I remember just praying so hard please don't let me come home with a drain. Please don't let me come home with the drain because I was afraid I would get another infection. Like trying to take a shower with a thing attached to your abdomen and not get it wet, not get it, you know, any kind of bacteria on it. I was terrified of that. You know, I mean, I did have a transvaginal drain while I was home. I was actually, I returned to work. I was wearing a drain. It's my other lesson. Learn your limits. (laughs) Be modest. Um, should not have returned to work right when I did. Um, I returned to work after I ran out of 
full disability after five weeks. And my company was so, my team was so supportive. My boss was supportive. So they let me kind of start slow. Um, I had people supporting me on my projects in case I had to be back out. Cause I was basically like, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen here. I'm still getting treated. And I, you know, I had my pick line. So I had my IV in my arm and they didn't know, but I had my transvaginal drain attached to my leg. Um, but I got through it and I think it was possibly a good distraction, but I ended up getting a blood clot where my pick line had to be placed a second time. So I had fought the bacterial infection, but then an opportunistic fungus came along. And so they had taken my pick line out thinking I was done. And then the fungus grows slower. So then in my lab work, it took 96 hours before the fungus grew. And so usually bacteria grows in 36 hours. So they had said, oh, bacteria hasn't grown in 36 hours or I think it was they waited a full 72. They were like, oh, it hasn't grown. So they took my pick line out. And then a few days later, the fungus grew. And they said, well, you know, this fungus is too serious for us to ignore. And the only way to treat it is with an IV medication. So I had to get my pick line back in. And the second time it was harder. Um, it was an outpatient procedure and my arm was very bruised. Come to find out I developed a blood clot. Um, and that was when I, t- I decided to take, I think it was probably a week, week and a half. That was during Thanksgiving. I took that time off. I just said, I got literally, my arm was swollen. My fingers were, I couldn't type, couldn't do my job. So, and I remember talking to my boss, feeling, feeling guilty, feeling terrible. And he was like, Candace, if you're feeling like this, stop. He just literally told me, stop, stop working. Like he was almost yelling at me, stop. We will figure it out. I want you to stop working right now. (laughs) So I needed that. I'm so thankful to him for just telling me, Stop working. Stop stressing out about yeah. this. Go take care of yourself. And so I did. I went to the ER, found out I had a blood clot. So fast forward, three months later, I'm off all the antibiotics. I'm off the antifungals, you know, because I was on an oral regimen even after the IV for a while. I'm finally now just off of the blood thinners for the blood clot. Um, I periodically sometimes feel a little something in there, but it's mostly fine. Um and I'm doing better, but some of my symptoms started to come back. So my doctor um, did a, um, prescribe me continuous birth control. Um, so I'm on a combination birth control pill, but I still have some more follow-up because now that I have this history of a blood clot, right? Birth control pills can cause blood clots. I now need to figure out what's the long-term plan of being on a combination pill when I have a history of a blood clot. So it's probably something I need to fix here soon. Um, but I feel better. I mean, my pain is so much better than it used to be. Still have some digestive issues. I've, I've like every month, December, let me see, December, January, February, I had my purges, um, similar digestive symptoms, but not as intense or as long lasting as they have been in the past. Um, Unfortunately, in December, that was when my family came down and visited me and they had they had to actually witness me go through it. We were out to eat and I took a bite of a salad and it was that. Oh, no, something's happening. I got sick in the bathroom. I was in the bathroom for probably like 45 minutes vomiting and 
I grabbed, I came out and said, I'm just going to get in the car, wait for you all. And I'm, you know, I have that trembling, that shaking. It's almost like I'm seizing. Um, my husband helped me again and pulled me, braided my hair back while I was, and then I continued to throw up off the side of the car from the parking lot. Um, and I think I really hate it for my, for my family to see me that way. But, um, you know, it passed and I got better and, you know, and we continued the rest of our visit, but it still happens. Um, and I'm, you know, still on hormones, but my pain is much like, I'm like 90% like my pain, 90% of my pain is gone. So that's a huge improvement. And I'm so thankful for that. That was a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, I really appreciate you sharing all of that and being so vulnerable with us. You have been through a lot and I think you're still recovering from that surgery and everything that happened. I mean, that was a lot and it's, it will take you time to recover from all of that. So I'm, I'm just grateful to hear that you're feeling better and it's every day you should just remind yourself that you are badass. Like you have been through an incredible amount and I really just, I think everyone that's listening is going to just be so appreciative of you sharing what you did because it's going to help so many people that are going through this and this disease. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I mean, I really do. I think, I wanted to share because I do think um, it's this, this podcast has been, you know, while I was going through COVID and um, my symptoms were getting worse, it was like a support group. It was like talking to other people without knowing that I'm talking to them and them telling me their story and telling me their challenges. And I think it really helped um, give me the courage to say, okay, I'm going to this doctor. I'm going to get surgery. I'm going to get listened to. Um, I need to advocate for myself. And so I am um, really appreciative to you, Melissa, for doing this, for being, you know, a phenomenal endo warrior that you are and giving a platform to, to women to really share our story. Even though every endo story is different, we're all different. Um, we can't assume everyone has the same situation or would make the same decisions. Um, but I think learning from one another is so helpful in our journey and I'm so thankful to be a part of it. Thank you for including me. Well, I, 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 I'm so appreciative. And is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? I think the only other thing i maybe just want to say, um, and it's kind of my, my kind of five, five things is, you know, rely on a higher power rely on God. I mean, this is a really hard thing. You need a support system. Um, obviously advocate for yourself, advocate for yourself, advocate for yourself. Put yourself first. Sometimes, sometimes you need to do that. And that's part of advocating for yourself. We're so good at, like I said, ignoring, avoiding. Um, so do that and then have an advocate. I don't, if you're single, have a sister, a friend, somebody. If you need to go to the ER, text, group text. I'm going to the ER. Can someone meet me there? Do not go to the hospital by yourself. Have an advocate who can vouch for you, who can help speak for you in the moment. Um, that's important. 
I can't, I'm so thankful to my husband for doing that for me over and over again and continuing to do it. Um, be transparent like this, like now sharing with other people, being honest when you're having a bad day. There are so many times I've probably flaked on something, felt horribly guilty because I wasn't honest and just saying, look, I'm having, I'm having an endo moment. I'm going through something and I need some understanding. Um, be transparent. It's going to make you feel better as well. And I think it's going to help your friends and family better understand. Um, and be courageous. Be courageous to be aggressive with your treatment. You know, I wish that I didn't sit for, you know, 14 years undiagnosed. You know, I had these symptoms for that long before I got a diagnosis just this past year. Get a diagnosis. Know what's wrong with you. Even if it is a exploratory laparoscopy and you're not ready for full excision surgery, get a diagnosis, know what you're up against so that you can fight it. Um, so be courageous. Um, those are kind of my five big things, my five big kind of takeaway lessons um, for myself and that I hope others take away from my story. Um, and thank you. Thank you so much, Melissa, for this opportunity. Thank you, Ken. Thank you so much. Thank you. No, thank you so much. And I think those five tips are exceptional and everything that you have gone through and what you've said, one of the things that I say often, and you embody this completely is people that have ended are the strongest people I met, like I've ever met in my life yes, we fight through to get to work and you were in the bathroom on your hands and knees. Like all of that isn't normal, but we shouldn't feel bad about it. It's the lack of awareness. It's the lack of people understanding how you use this word. And I completely agree with you. It's debilitating. And we, as the warriors shouldn't ever feel bad because people don't understand how severe this disease is. It's been shoved off for mm -hmm. so many mm -hmm. years that we almost feel bad bringing it up and we feel like we're overreacting or or maybe even being dramatic about it but we're not this is a very serious disease and this is why I do this show and this is why you sharing your story and what you've been through will help so many other people because people don't understand you described it so well that pain of like you can't even move like I just saw recently that someone compared endo pain to having a heart attack. So I just mm. think people think that we're exaggerating this pain. And I think you really painted a picture of how serious it is. And the more awareness we can have about how serious this is will help with delay in diagnosis. So thank you again, Candace, so much for sharing your story. Thank you. Thank Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Cycle Podcast. Don't forget to rate us in Google or Spotify. If you would like to give us a five-star rating, we would really appreciate that. And also just really wanted to say thank you again for your time and listening to the endo stories to help build awareness, get more recognition for this disease. And I know all of the patients that have shared their story really appreciate you being here. 
With that being said, I always have to have my medical disclaimer. This podcast is not intended for the purpose of providing medical advice. All information, content, and material of this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve or substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider. Thank you so much for understanding this medical disclaimer, and I'm wishing you a pain-free day. Take care.